Husky Nation, it's the end of the third quarter. Are you looking for the perfect tequila for your next get-together? The answer is born from a hero, Hero de Leon, direct from the prestigious Murguia family just outside Guadalajara, honoring their great-grandfather who saved Mexico from a horrible civil war. It's authentic, courageous, with great integrity, just like the general. Enjoy the smoothest Blanco tequila you've ever tasted or the rich flavor of our Reposado, aged for seven months in American bourbon barrels. Or the ultimate tequila, our Añejo, which is aged for 18 months in the same bourbon oak barrels. Go to your favorite liquor retailer or restaurant and ask for Hero de Leon because it's always the end of the third quarter. Imported by Zombie Beverages, Mercer Island, Washington. Hey, Husky fans, welcome back to Fourth and Inches, a Husky podcast. My name is Trevor Mueller, and with me is Joshua Fisher. He is the host of the Horns Up Talking Texas podcast and the Charity Stripe. Joshua, thanks so much for coming on. This is a game that we've seen last year, but mm. a lot of the, the marquee names are still there. Last time Washington was in a in a big game like this in the Fiesta Bowl, they had to see Saquon Barkley, and Saquon Barkley really really was a difference in that game last year Bijan robinson was not there nor was their second string the your the backup this year you were getting texas fully loaded joshua just give me bird's eye view of this program from 2022 to 2023 yeah i mean you know look uh, there a, a lot happens we lose Bijan, we lose roshan johnson roshan a fourth round pick and if he was in another program and had the opportunity to start, he probably would have been, a, you know, maybe a third round pick, a second round pick. He was that good of a running back, a guy who you want to talk about a great team player converted from the quarterback position. You guys got Jonathan Brooks last year, who was who filled in Bijan's shoes as well as you can right. fill in a guy's shoes. He tears his ACL. Right now, we have Blue Jadon Blue, we have CJ Baxter, we have Keelan Robinson. We're going with the running back by committee um, when it comes to toting the rock, and that actually is. It's working out decent for us. It's not like we don't have that bruiser, that that workhorse like Jonathan Brooks is in the backfield, but any one of these guys can break off a massive play, and we've seen that in consecutive games. So Blue, Robinson, and Baxter are a nice three-headed monster to complement what is supposed to be the strongest suit of this Texas football team. That is the passing game, right? Similar to you guys. So it's in some instances on the offensive side of the football, strength versus strength. So, you know, we're going to have to – Look, man, we, we we pass block with the best of them. We have a left tackle who's going to be a first-round pick, maybe a top-ten pick in Kelvin Banks. T.J. Campbell at guard is fantastic. Christian Jones, the tackle is solid. We have Majors and Hudson at the other guard and center positions. We have a really – we have our offensive lines, either you're a veteran or, or you're an NFL prospect, you know, and, and it's a really strong offensive line. And I, I think, you know, the defensive line of, of the Huskies is going to have arguably their most difficult test yet. And, not, and I don't want to poo-poo the Pac-12. I also cover USC, and I got to watch your Huskies up close in person, who I thought had a pretty weak run game, but then Johnson comes in and torches the Trojans for like 200 yards yeah. at the Coliseum and really and really blew you know blew me out of the water in that one. Um, but this offensive line, you know, is a game changer for the Texas Longhorns. So that allows us, with or without Brooks, to continue to run the football in a similar manner. It allows Quinn Ewers as he continues to get healthy and now having a full month. After that dominant performance, you know, in the Big 12 championship to really get back to full health. And and then look, man, we have AD Mitchell, right? You know, Xavier Worthy is the quote unquote NFL, you know, prospect that a lot of people, you know, 
get googly eyes for but ad mitchell should be a first round pick ad mitchell is an unbelievably reliable receiver ad mitchell not the georgia bulldogs is going first third national championship in a row and do you think it's a coincidence that he's come here and that our team is competing for a national championship you are sorely mistaken like this guy brings that pedigree into the locker room he brings that he brings that championship pedigree to the team he's the mvp of the season for me obviously yours has been great when he's played but he, again like last year he had some injury issues Jatavian Sanders is then probably the number two tight end on the board in the NFL draft. He's superb. Gunnar Helm is, is complimentary uh, as the tight end too. And, and then Whittington is a safety blanket as our wide receiver three. You're not going to see a lot of change. We don't like mix it. Like you guys don't mix it up that, that much, the wide receiver position. You have your three guys, you have Rome, you have Polk and you have McMillan, right? Like why would you take them out of the game unless they have to come out? Like we have the same situation with our wide receivers. So from an offensive side of the stand, from an offensive standpoint, you know, with or without Bijan Robinson, this, this team hasn't missed a beat. In fact, we look even better and you could put that to the coaching, the development of players. You know, we, we, we recruited well, we got guys in the transfer portal, but ultimately the guys that were on our roster got better. They got older and they got better at the end of the day. That's how you have to operate in college football. Like you can't, you can go out and get whoever you want. You can pay as much NIL as you want. Guys need to step up and guy need to, guys need to grow and guys need to develop. Look at your guy, right? He wasn't what he was at Indiana. He wasn't even what he was last year. He's better. Bo Nix wasn't that at Auburn. Wasn't even that last year. was great this year. Heisman winner, Daniels. Transfer from ASU. People kind of wrote him off. Like he was supposed to be a stopgap at LSU. He's a Heisman winner. He's maybe worked his way into a top 10 pick in the third quarterback off the board. So guys developing in college football, people don't put enough of a premium on that. And that was such a massive, that was such a massive stone that had to be turned for our program, not only the ability to recruit guys and get the guys in the transfer portal, but the ability to develop our guys into not into great college players and ultimately professional athletes. One of the other things that we have in common, you as covering Texas, me covering Washington, is Steve Sarkeesian. Oh, yeah. And we just, we were waiting up here. We've seen Sarkeesian have talented teams, have great offenses, uh, and lose the Kansas States and lose the TCU games. What changed between this year and, and, and what he's done previously at almost everywhere where he's dropped those games? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, from an offensive side uh, uh, of the ball, it's evident if you watch the games and you've seen Sark coach, like his his playbook isn't, you know, exactly like super easy, right? This isn't four verticals in Madden that he can run every time. Right. You know, it's not the easiest the playbook. So guys have to get acclimated to the system. That's one. He has to get acclimated to the program. That's two. You know, I think we've learned from our mistakes and we've taken some of the pressure off of him, which is nice as a university. A lot of pressure on Charlie Strong. He crumbled. A lot of pressure on Tom Herman. Didn't necessarily crumble, but didn't really work. I think we took a little bit of pressure off of Sark. Said, look, we're going to let this guy give this guy time and let him do his thing. Year one, huge disappointment. Year two, not that great. But year three, again, because we've allowed him to grow. We've allowed him to get his guys in the building. We've allowed him to actually do his job without all that, you know, without the boosters and everyone in the fan base breathing down his neck. Uh, he's found success. So that from the offensive side of the, offensive side of the standpoint and uh, side of the ball and defensively look pk our defensive coordinator i mean our also whole, very familiar with him also, up here yeah you guys know him a little bit you know i mean look we have a really good staff man you know and all our position coaches to shard choice from the running backs you know davis is great Choate's great he's got the head coaching job he's also a co-defensive coordinator he's got the head coaching job now at nevada 
um, you know, Gideon, former player, right? He's there and, you know, and he, he knows the program. He's a really good coach. Like it's no, it's no secret as to why our defensive backs are all so deep and talented um, and playing at a high level, playing really good complimentary football within that unit. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we have the right coaches in there. Again, we're developing guys, man. Like guy, like we have Anthony Hill as a superstar freshman and he's lived up to the hype, but go around the, go around the block. Like Byron Murphy has grown as a player. Devondre Sweat went from, you know, a guy who could probably be like a fourth or fifth round pick. He can maybe be a first round pick as well, but definitely a second round pick. Like he, he is a real serious run stopper and he's a guy who's very underrated, you know, in the passing game. Um, Ethan Burke was a three-star guy, sophomore. He, he's been a great compliment on the other side, on the other edge. Baron Sorrell is there. Um, Jalen Ford is going to be a professional athlete and he was a three-star. We've developed these guys. Like we've developed our defensive players. This is a championship level defense. Not only is the offense high octane and like, it has great firepower, but this defense is unbelievably ready to be in the national spotlight and be a national champion. So I, I think that's probably the biggest change for Sark and this team. Yeah. And looking at the defensive side of the ball, you know, there were, there were a few games where you guys, I mean, for the most part, this was a very stout defense, even starting against going to Tuscaloosa and beating Alabama. Um, The name that everybody knows is your defensive line, especially sweat. Uh, Mm -hmm. Tell me what makes that, uh, what, what makes that defense tick? Yeah. I mean, the size, like you have two 300 pound guys right in the middle, right? So good luck running the football, Um, you know, and the athleticism all around them, right? The ability to rotate guys in. I, I mean, I think, what you can attribute to our defense, you know, being so successful is, is the depth, right? Our defensive line, like, okay, you have Burke, you have Sir Baron Sorrell, you have, you know, Byron Murphy, and you have Tavondre Sweat. That's like your starting defensive line. But you can work in Finkley on the edge, Justin Finkley. You can work in Alfred Collins, the interior. You can rotate guys in. And the defensive backfield has that same level, level of depth too, right? Like Derek Williams, the, the freshman safety, he won't be in there in the first half because of a targeting call, but he'll be back in you know, uh, because of a call that happened in the, in the big 12 championship game, but he'll be back in, in the second half. That's just one of a bevy of safeties. We have, we have Baron, we have Thompson, we have Michael Taft, we have Williams. That's four safeties. We're rotating. It's the best part about this. You know, we need all the corners we can get R- Ryan Watts, the transfer from a couple of years back from Ohio state, who has been, has had injury issues like when years or the past couple seasons with us, but when he plays, he's top notch. So Watts, the freshman Malik Muhammad, who not a lot of people talk about in the same breath that they do Anthony Hill and they should. He's been a fantastic corner for us. Terrence Brooks is a sophomore for us. He's given up 44% of the, you know, the, the, the balls thrown to him. That's fantastic. 44%, you know, reception rate. That's ridiculous. He's only a sophomore. So him, Gavin Holmes working into the mix, the transfer from Wake Forest. I think he's got his sea legs under him in the second half of the season. We have a lot of depth on this defensive side of the football. We have a lot of depth in the defensive line, like you just you know mentioned, um, that group, and that's why we're so successful. Fresh legs, right? You know, the ability to rotate guys in who are competent. Our linebackers are super solid and super sound and command the defense, and we're great against the run. We have that size with those two guys in the interior to plug it up. We're fantastic against the run. We're top five run defense, not only in just you know the typical yards that people look at, but look at any aspect, any breakdown of the defensive runs category and, and and we're top five in every single way you can break it down. Uh, we're the number one red zone defense and we're the number one third down defense. We get off the field. That's plain and simple. We don't want you score in the red zone. You know, we've won games like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I wish we had it here like, because of K-State uh, man. Yep. A, a big time goal, goal line stand there. 
Uh, looking at the ones where you guys gave up, you know, a lot of your games, you're in the, you know, the tens, you beat Baylor, you, you gave up six to Baylor, six to BYU, heavy run team, seven to Texas Tech, which is really, really impressive. You know, not that they were the team necessarily that took Oregon to the brink, but beating up on Oklahoma State, uh, there were some games where you guys gave up uh, points in the 30s. Uh, tell me about those games. You know, I think the closest that you're going to see, you know, Washington's probably the best offense that you're going to see. Oklahoma is good, a uh, very good. Um, what were those teams able to do to find points against that uh, Texas yeah. defense? Uh, I mean, I think the biggest one is the game. We only lost one game, and I could, you know, go through that one. And that's right. the Oklahoma game. And, you know, first of all, you you, you have a rivalry. You know, sure. I don't mean any offense by this. It's not as big, but it's still a big rivalry, right, against Washington State. And no matter who the better team is going into that game, you can pretty much throw that out the window because that right. game just has that extra level feel. It just does, right? So, you know, if people are like, oh, Alabama, like, barely escaped Auburn. I, I put that game in that level of the field. Like that's, that was Auburn's Super Bowl. That was Auburn's, Hey, you know, if we're not going in, neither are they like, that's like, they're coming in with that mentality. They hate them that much. It, it's, it's, you know, a root for Auburn, whoever beats Alabama type t-shirt, right. The, yep. Their fans have. So this game just kind of has that different feel when we play Oklahoma and they're a really well-coached team. And they ran the football from the quarterback position specifically, um, which really killed us, right? And and you know they had some big play receivers, which is a big which is a big bane to ours. And we lost the, we lost the turnover battle. We, you know Quinn turned the ball over, which he, it's something he doesn't simply do, but he turned the ball over early um, and often with two picks, you know, in the first half. And that's not something he typically does. And you can't turn the ball over against a good offense. Like if we come into this game in the Sugar Bowl and we turn the ball over, Michael Penix Jr., Rome Polk. You know, you know, Jalen McMillan, they're going to, y'all are going to Dylan Johnson. Like, I don't think you're going to run the football that well, but still like, I'm not counting it out. He's a good running back. Like, you know, Kalen's going to make us pay, right? You guys are going to make us pay. Like those players are, are, are legitimate professional athletes, right? And they're going to make us pay. You can't turn the ball over. And that's what happened in the Oklahoma game. Other games seem closer than they are. Like, look, we didn't have, yeah. we didn't have, we didn't have Quinn for two games. Like, mm -hmm. you know, Malik Murphy's, he filled in as best as he could, but he's not the guy necessarily. So I, I think that was a pretty bad audition on his part. He's, you know, he's a heck of a kid and, you know, he's got a heck of a, you know, potential, right. But he didn't fill in and, and replace Quinn Ewers like many people thought he could. He didn't really show that he could be the quarterback of the future of this Texas program like many people thought he could. So he kind of, you know, floundered. And I think we rushed Quinn back for that TCU game. Back and, and they kind of made that a lot closer than it had to be, but I don't necessarily right. Twenty points in the in the fourth quarter makes it look like it's a little bit closer than it was. Uh, yeah, throughout I don't the think I thought he was that ready for that game. Yeah, absolutely. Right, and and I guess my question more lies in what do those offenses do that? Because outside of those, you know, you're not seeing a ton of points given up. Um, how do what did those teams do to get into the low 30s? Because that that's that's all Texas really ever gave up. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's. Look, they did what you guys do well. They threw the ball, right? <laughs> At the end of the day, I, I think, you know, the, the savings grace for us is your quarterback can't really run it. He's a pocket passer. Yeah. So, he, you know, he can get it out quick and he will get it out quick. So I'm not counting on his ability or his inability to, you know, not to get it out there, get the ball out there to the guys, the, his playmakers. I'm anticipating he's going to have the ability to do, to do that he, as good as our defensive pass rush can be. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I think, you know, that's – a potential savings grace is his inability to really make plays on his feet. He's going to have to stay in the pocket. He's going to have to stand and deliver. 
ultimately it's going to come down to look is again, if Watts is fully healthy, who does he match up? Does he match up with Polk? Right. And, and try to knock and try to eliminate him from the game. You know, Roma Dunze is what is he a top 15 pick top 10 pick? Maybe the guy's six, three, two twenty, impossible to bring down great route runner fast as all can be like he's, he's arguably the best player on the field in the sugar bowl on both sides of the ball on both teams. So that's, that's going to be really tough to cover. Um, and and I, I'm hoping we could throw Brooks at him with like with, with some safety help and and stymie him the best we can. And again, just rotate fresh legs. That's how we're going to have to do it against you guys. It's not going to be easy. Like it, this is this game. I'm anticipating being a more fun game than the Bama Michigan game. I think this can really be a serious shootout. If you guys put up less than 30 points, uh, you're an a in a world of trouble. Mm-hmm. And B, I'd be surprised. Yeah, I and I agree. I think that these teams especially offensively are, are very one, some of the most explosive in the, in the country. And sure. obviously they're one of the four team or two of the four teams left uh, standing, obviously Texas, just with the one blemish where they had every, every opportunity to win that game. Uh, and then really towards the end of the season, really taken off, especially after that Kansas state game, Texas looked like a different team with Quinn Ewers at yeah. quarterback. Getting down to brass tacks a little bit, how does Texas come out of this game with a win? Um, you know, it's plain and simple, but it's you're not going to shut down this offense so easily necessarily. So coming into the game with the mentality of like, oh, we're going to make Michael Penix Jr.'s life a living hell, like his receivers aren't going to be able to do anything, coming in with that mentality is a bit far-fetched to me. It'd be nice. It's possible. I'm not counting on it. Uh, you know, we're going to have to keep the ball out of his hands. Like, it's pretty black and white, pretty plain Jane of me to say, but that's just the truth. And that's running the football, and that's, you know, controlling the clock and heading your inter- intermediate routes and, and really making the most of your possessions, trying to, you know, keep the, again, like make him 10 play possessions and, and get points on all of them. Our kicker has been phenomenal, right? So special teams, we have an all Big 12 returner. We have an all Big 12 kicker continuing to dominate the special teams and control that phase of the game. Cause that's what it could come down to. You know, we've seen that in pac 12. We, you guys have been a part of games where it's come down to kicking and yep. special teams us too. So, you know, if, if Penix jr is going to come out and he's going to be dealing and we're going to have to get in a shootout, that phase of the game has to be pretty flawless. So making sure that's flawless. Um, and then the turnover battle, we got to get one off of him, you know, it's not like he's, you know, impenetrable. And I mean that with all due respect, I think he's, he's had a phenomenal season and he, he, I was swayed to, you know, he was my Heisman pick as good as Jaden Daniels was. I I think he had like the stats and he obviously had an undefeated season, which, you know, should have warranted maybe him getting the award. And that's why I think it was so close considering how, you know, dominant and and spectacular Daniels was. Um, But we're going to have to get a pick off of him. We're gonna have to get him to turn the ball over. And, and and ultimately, if we can do that and we can win the turnover battle and the time of possession, I I think we're going to beat your team. Um, the opposite side, how does Texas give this game away? Yeah, you know, um, relying too much on Quinn. You know, I think trusting the despite not having brooks trusting your running back committee which i think we still will trusting robinson blue and and, and the freshman baxter to still tote the rock and and still you know respect that phase of the game in your offense um i i think you know i think if we if we lean too heavily on quinn and too heavily on the pass 
then I, I think we could be in a lot of trouble. All right. So are you into betting at all? Yeah, of course. Okay. So if I put the over under um, of punts for the winning team at mm. th- two and a half, would you go the over or the under? I mean, if this turns, if this turns into a punt fest, I think you're in trouble. Yeah, that means you guys aren't scoring, and I, I trust our defense more than yours. Even though you guys, you have some good guys in your defense too. Um, how many possessions per? I could see it going over, but still, kind of, you know, like, look, if we, if there, if you, if I, if we punt the ball three times, Oof. but if we score and like, you know, how many other present five, six other possessions, you know, however there are there many possessions. Thinking that probably the winning team is going to have to have a turnover. That's, you know, that's why I think two and a half, if, if the, the winning team's giving the ball up three times, I just don't see it happening. How many possessions do we average? That's like the one stat, like, honestly, like I just yeah. simply don't have off the dome and nor have I really, you know, necessarily given it much thought of how many possessions we have a game. Like how many possessions do we have against Oklahoma state? Like, I mean, I'd put the line aggregate punts. I'd put it at like five. I don't, I don't see a ton of punts. Um, if I were to give you $10 and say that you could put the, the line, the lines at four right now, uh, where are you putting that money? Oh, I'm putting it on us, man. Yeah. Always. I, I, I think Washington plus four is just, I think Washington plus four is just enough juice. Um, for people to be like, all right, I, I I could get on board with. I mean, I mean, the nation's gonna be on Texas, hundred percent. They just, that's just how it rolls. I don't think you guys are getting the respect you deserve. You're the two seed, you're undefeated, and you're the underdog. I think that should say enough. Um, I think people will ev- eventually start to ride Washington and, and and start to like that juice. And if we were like, it's a weird. It is a weird line. Like if we were minus six or seven, if we were like a full point favorite, I would like it a lot more. I would like that. That means like, all right, plus seven, everyone's going to bet Washington. How could you not? And then, you know, you fall into the Vegas trap. So I I would like it a lot more. Four is kind of a weird number for me. I kind of hate that number in betting. Um, My heart would say Texas. And I think, I think we do. If it was five, I would pick you guys to cover, but I think we cover four. I would if it was like five, I'd go you guys. Four, I'll go us, and then seven up, I would go us too. But that five, if it was in that five six range, I would feel comfortable with Washington covering that. But four, I could still go us. Whoever wins this game, uh, that's going to be my rooting interest in the national championship. So, Joshua, thanks so much for coming on. Uh, Cheers, brother. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate you. Good luck. Where can people find your stuff? Oh, Twitter, the charity stripe. That's it. Everything lives under that whole mantra. Uh, our horns up talking Texas podcast of Quan Cosby lives under that. You know, we, we do a lot of work under that and you can follow us on social really good, engaging stuff with Texas coverage, obviously on a Texas undertone. And that's just it, man. And I, I wish you guys and your fans and your viewers and, and y'all's players, the best of luck, you know, you guys, busted ass to get here and, and work your tails off. And, you know, it's a great fan base and a great organ and a great program that I, again, I don't think necessarily gets a lot of respect and it should, you guys have had a really good 21st century. Um, your guy, Jake Browning, heck he's killing it and he's keeping the Cincinnati Bengals season alive. So I, I think, you know, you guys deserve a lot more respect than you're being given and hopefully, you know, Sark and, and our defensive coaches, and I'm sure they will, will give it to your offense and your quarterback and your receivers. Awesome. All right, Josh. Thanks.